0: XQ, folks. XQ quality. Better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. Here we go.
1: Welcome to channel massive episode two twenty tonight your hosts are bob
2: hello and Mark
1: hello <laughs> <laughs> I always like to do that we are uh we are noah list tonight he is he's traveling somewhere i I lost interest but he was going somewhere on an airplane so we'll uh we'll hear more from him next week when he's back. But tonight you have a dynamic duo with Bob and Mark, and we have a whole bunch of good stuff to talk about. We have our intro-geddon, always, always a favorite of mine. Um, no listener feedback. Nobody loved us and wrote in. Does that make you want to cry, Bob?
2: That does. That makes me very sad. It feels like we're yeah. being abandoned.
1: I feel quite despondent right now. If you don't um, want to
2: hear Mark cry next week, please, yeah. please, for the love of God, write in. Is or not for the love of faith whoever you prefer.
1: Yeah, whoever you, whichever side you're on, or if you're an atheist, for the love of science. But uh, I, uh, I, I know Bob doesn't want to see me cry because we were recently at a Thai restaurant and I ordered this um, like drunken noodles with sriracha thing that I normally wouldn't, we wouldn't think would be too hot, and I was mopping my my brow constantly during that. So
2: you did look like Nobody you wants to, to see
1: that. Yeah, my nose was running. It was quite, quite, it was me at my most attractive, for certain. Um, But we'll talk about what we've been playing. We'll talk about some general geekery, what we're doing in our spare time that's perhaps geeky. And uh, we have a roundtable topic that we'll get to. So, uh, without further ado, we'll dip into the old blitzkrieg of news with our Intergeddon. And the first thing we have on the docket is something kind of interesting, I think. Um, You know, we've all been covering the sad, sad story of uh, NCSoft saying, you know what, City of Heroes just doesn't fit our our business model. Our business model being things that appeal to both Asian and um, Western gamers, apparently. Uh, Although one must question some of the games that they are sticking with. But they don't want to stick with City of Heroes anymore, so they're planning to close it down in November. Well, according to GamerZines.com, there is a rumor that there are multiple buyers courting uh, them right now, talking about taking City of Heroes off their hands and maybe giving it another another chance at life. Uh, and apparently, um, the community uh, for the, um, you know, I guess, (laughs) postponement of the death of City of Heroes, they've been um, talking to everyone they can to try and drum up interest, including even Cryptic, which are the original developers of City of Heroes. And so far, it's all rumor. We don't have anything concrete. But it's interesting to know that someone might be interested in keeping it alive, because it does do a lot of things in uh, MMO, especially being a superhero genre, that are, I think... You just don't find them anywhere else, like the Architect Missions and all that good stuff. And it's it just been such a good game for a lot of people to meet and to uh, be their first experience in an MMO. It's kind of hard to just think of it just being gone. You know? some, some other games, I'm like, yeah, it could go. <laughs> Anytime. And I'd be fine with it, but this one has always been kind of special to me personally. And Bob, you—you never played it, have you? No, have you I never did. Tried? You
2: tried hard to convince me to do it, but I—I did. have been very opposed to anything that really requires any sort of monthly fee, which is why I've not been right. a big MMO player. That, and of course, time commitments—you know, with with kids and everything—makes it kind of hard. But no, I remember uh, seeing you guys playing, and it looked like a pretty awesome game. And you know, you—you you mentioned before that they actually—you know—they're not super. Um, Profitable, but they are profitable. So yeah. it, it does kind of make sense that somebody would buy it out if it's if it's profitable at all. You know, it, it makes sense not to just dump it.
1: Yeah, the last I heard, they had a player base of about 120,000 people. Which
2: yeah, that's not that's nothing to sneeze at, especially if those people are all yeah. paying monthly, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm not sure if they were all monthly subscribers or what. What the you know, I don't know what the breakdown was anymore. Um, but just the thought that you know they would let that thing go is is a bummer. So I guess we'll we'll see if we hear anything more. We'll continue to report on it. I hate to I hate to see that game go. I really
2: do. If somebody doesn't buy it out, it seems like it'd be a great opportunity for some little small developer to create pretty much a clone of it. Come up with a new name, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, um, you know there. As far as that goes, you know, um, Cryptic went on to make um, Champions Online, which never captured, I don't think, everything that made City of Heroes great. And then, of course, there's DC uh, Universe, which is just totally different. It's really fun and stuff, but it just doesn't have the same things in it. And, um, I mean, City of Heroes is so mature that it has just all these weird little features that you just don't see. For instance, you park your alter ego in a library or your (laughs) character or whatever, and you um you log out and you act your your Considered to be working your day job as a librarian or something, you know what I mean. Right. It's just got little things like that. So you get like all this interesting, all these interesting ways to make experience or some other equivalent of it. You know, non superhero experience. You can make super villain or superhero bases in it. You know, and lay them out and put trophies in there. And it's and you can, um, you know, set up all these different elaborate um missions with the architect mod. You could you could do an entire, um, you know, like. It, it, the equivalent of an entire Dungeons and Dragons module, but for a superhero, you could do all that.
2: Well, that's probably one game. of the reasons why it was so it was you know popular and has such a, a strong cult following, right?
1: Right, because it didn't launch it, with any it, of that. Yeah,
2: it's not that it's just superheroes; yeah. it's that it's got all kinds of really great features and superheroes.
1: Yeah, I think it's the first MMO, graphical MMO, to actually kind of go transition from uh, you know just being a pure mud actually having mush elements from you know in old school terminology where you could create your own things and make them accessible by others and so i thought that was really a cool feature but uh, oh that's well it's a great um,
2: feature that and ties into one of the other things we were going to be talking about too is it's the idea of creating your own features and you know something right, that was yeah really cool in the mush era back in the you know the text interface days right has kind of died just because it was so hard to do in anything graphical, and, and nobody played text-only games for, like, the past 10, 15 years.
1: Oh, yeah, and in the very fact that it, it's hard to do, it's hard to allow people to, um, you know, graphically. You know, a text description is one thing, but having an entire, like, mesh get imported that you've developed with, like, a 3D program or something like that, Yeah, not trivial. The, the
2: bar for somebody to create content in-game is so much higher. Certainly not right, impossible right. if you look at all the great mods out for some of the different game engines, but much more yeah. of a long-term team effort, not something like back in the mush days where people would just throw together the weirdest, the weirdest, bizarre crap yeah. just on a whim.
1: Right. Like I, I remember, I made a in one of the mushes. I, I it, it took a while, but I made a, I made a, um, I made like a nuclear butter knife <laughs> as a weapon. <laughs> And it was like it was like a vibro blade kind of concept, but it was a butter knife that would cleave through anything. And then I made an Energizer Bunny that I could stick on people, and it would hit it would hump people's legs <laughs> relentlessly.
2: You see, that was and, really great about those—just a crazy shit. Yeah. I don't remember what mush I was playing a long time ago, but somebody had made like a magic mirror that, if you would stare at it long enough, it would transport you to some like twisted alternate reality in the game. It was right. like a whole huge set of other areas, and you had to f- figure out how to get back out. It was just, people had lots of weird stuff in there.
1: Yeah, people would just invest so much of their own time in things. and Yeah, so that is kind of a theme for tonight, is the whole sandbox kind of concept and where it's going. Um, certainly, along those lines, um, some of the Minecraft mods that have come out lately which aren't just maps, but it's like they've actually put a lot of time into this. One um, the PC Gamer has is an article about a WoW uh, world that they've done where they've recreated much of Azeroth in Minecraft. And when you look at it and see the colors and the, everything, it's, it's easily identifiable as a lot of locations, you know, the classic locations from Azeroth in World of Warcraft. Um, they've been working. I mean, the, the level of effort to put this together is is uh, awe inspiring.
2: Some of these things are um, huge,
1: humongous, right? And the level of detail that they put into them is it just boggles my mind. I mean, I have enough trouble making a tower in that game, let alone making Agramar. Um, the uh, when it unpacks this thing, it compressed the file is two point one. Seven gigs, <laughs> which is not trivial. But when it unpacks, it's twenty-four gigs in size.
2: Damn. Can you believe That's that? That's man.
1: So that is actually, I think, bigger than if you just have the World of Warcraft playing <laughs> installed. <laughs> but of course, this is like a brick-by-brick brick rendition of it all, right? So there's a lot to, to track. But
2: now, have you actually tried um, it at all yet?
1: No, I only found about out about it today after you sent the one. Uh, which is the other interesting story is um, they've also done a Half Life um, mod for it as well, also covered by PC Gamer, um, yeah. which looks just stunning. And what's my favorite part is the Swiss cheese reactor room in the beginning of the Black Mesa level. I, I
2: love that too. That was a creative choice to get the kind of color right it's still not exactly, you know, right, but it it it's very recognizable as the the beginning test chamber which is just pretty astounding.
1: Yeah, and the cool thing is I've been playing Black Mesa the, you know, the highly um touted mod I guess for for source um SDK and it is it is really cool, and it's you know the nostalgia is there because it basically lets you relive Half Life One, but with really good uh, modeling and, and everything else, and, and textures and and voice acting. And here's a way I get um, to
2: relive it with really really bad models,
1: right? But the iconic scenes like the hallways with the color coding, it's all there. Um, yep. The uh, the locker room, there. I mean, it's it's just hilarious.
2: Yeah, I noticed so, in, in some of the screenshots they've even got that. Black and white tiled flooring that had the very 1950s look that half right, I had right. in the offices, which just totally went with all the uh, the horn rim glasses scientists and everything.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, especially once it once everything blows up and there's like you know cables dangling out of the the, the drop ceiling and oh, stuff. Oh yeah,
2: totally just mm-hmm. screams old office environment. You know, bureau- government bureaucracy environment.
1: So yeah, that's a couple of really interesting uses for what Minecraft can do. Uh, have um, you uh,
2: have you built anything very large in Minecraft?
1: Well, I, I did build in one world I built um a pretty gigantic little I had a huge mine um with multiple I mean it just went on forever. Um, and then I also, with all the stuff I mined, I built a tower that went into the the cloud, you know, beyond the clouds, actually. It went way up there. But nothing on the scale of this. I mean, not even close.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't um, built much other than just, you know, basically, like I said, kind of mining stuff out and then kind of creating fortifications around it. But right, I don't know if I've mentioned that uh, my 10-year-old, Ben, has been uh, been playing Minecraft quite a lot. And oh, that's cool. He's built two pirate ships now one of them is a wooden pirate ship and it's freaking immense you can go inside of it and it's got uh it's got a jail uh area kind of like a little uh barred off sort of jail inside the whole the
1: hold. it's got a got a brig
2: yeah it's got a brig it's got masts that you can climb up inside and get to the crow's nest and he's got signs up above the crow's nest as kind of flags and stuff but he built all that, and this, like I said, this thing's really large. And then he built another one all in black that's supposed to be the Black Pearl, and he's building kraken arms going into oh, and wow. attacking the, the Black Pearl. This thing's just ginormous. And,
1: and as he develops like, his skill at it, is it becoming more and more of a, something he wants to work on?
2: Yeah, he's, he's kind of getting obsessed with it.
1: <laughs> I tried not to use the old word. Yeah.
2: No, I think that's good though. I would rather have him obsessed with uh with building things in Minecraft than obsessed with shooting people in Halo, which is, you know, his other favorite game. So.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing game. It it's uh it's really interesting to see what people do especially with all the crazy things they've done where they've you know um simulated circuits and built like sheep catapults and things
2: yeah i want to try just and figure out how you do some of the moving objects like that so i can help him with that because he's really interested in his next project he wants to do is the uh the helicarrier from the avengers movie
1: oh my gosh that'd be cool now have you ever seen the um, enterprise that they did which was just gigantic no, it was an older one that sounds awesome so yeah, somebody um, built the Enterprise, like, to scale. And they, um, I mean, it has, like, the Jefferies tubes. Everything's there inside. But just when you see the scale of it from the outside, it's just gigantic. <laughs> it would have to be. My God. It was really, it was one of the cooler ones. And it's, it's an older one. Um, so in in other interesting news, I mean, so that's two interesting mods for, for Minecraft, in the in the controller world, they continue to do amazing things.
2: the the
1: The least cool thing I ever saw was the vitality sensor for
2: Nintendo, which that was like the heart rate type thing, you know, right? Right.
1: It was basically a glorified heart rate monitor to which I said, "Really?
2: You know, by itself, um, it's incredibly lame. But when you when you tie it into the fact that, you know." after most games ended up being disappointing on the Wii, <laughs> a lot of people right. were just using it for a lot of the exercise games. It kind of makes sense in that standpoint. But, yeah, it's it's an add-on to an add-on to a game system. Hard, hardly groundbreaking, right?
1: Right. But Sony has attempted to one-up that one with their very phallic-looking um, temperature feedback game controller.
2: It, it really is. If of... you had sent me this link at work, I probably would have,
1: <laughs> it's not safe for The drawing
2: work. for it totally looks like it's, a, it's some sort of sex toy. It, totally looks,
1: it does. It looks, it looks like it should be marketed towards women and be called, like, the Pleasurer 5000 or something. But the motion um, controller
2: that Sony has, too. I forget what they call that. Moving ball on top of it. Yeah. The,
1: yeah. I think it looks that's like, like the next too, evolution of that. It looks like it
2: should vibrate.
1: Well, when I, I tried one of those out at, like, a convention... and Was I felt dirty. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, bowling, actually, so it wasn't too good. bad. But Yeah, at least it wasn't like a shake weight simulator, which would have been really <laughs> rough. It, it, was, it was bowling, at least. Um, but yeah, this thing is um, apparently... So what it does is it's going to give you cold or warm feedback, depending on your activities. So, for instance, the example that they listed, um, this is from gizmag.com. Um, the example they listed was if your character is hit by a fireball, um, it will warm up to let you know with the tactile kind of feedback that you, you have been hit by a fireball. Also, if you're in a cold area, it will cool off so you feel the cold. Um, I'm personally not really uh, into this one. I'd much rather have like a really good like haptic system or nice VR helmet Anything else, pretty much, than this. But it's interesting to see where they're headed with
2: stuff. You know, it's not going to be a selling point by itself. But, you know, when, when vibrating controllers first came out, I think a lot of us thought, well, that's kind of lame. It just vibrates. It's not like it really, you know, throws your hand to the side or anything like that. But they, they right. are a nice subtle touch when you get hit and you feel the vibration.
1: Yeah, So I have to agree. I don't mind yeah, that. Yeah,
2: so that added on top could be kind of cool. It's I, I wouldn't really pay extra for it, and it wouldn't be a decider between going Sony versus 360 but you know it could be a nice add-on it sucks that they're adding it to the move though instead of the regular controller
1: yeah that is kind of interesting well they've apparently received a patent for it so we will see how long it takes to make this uh
2: to get to market Um, i just i think it's hysterical with the shape of it the fact that it has vibration on it if there were an (laughs) app store that was you know like uh iphone has you you oh, could bet yeah. that there would be an app out to just enable vibrations and heat on this thing.
1: I, I absolutely agree with It'd you. It
2: would be the Backrub app. That's well, what yes. I'm talking about.
1: Everyone knows it's only for Backrubs.
2: Everyone knows Yeah.
1: Um, well, how about this? How about, uh, as the BBC has covered, uh, Microsoft, on the other side of this, has gone with a bracelet that can detect your hand gestures, or at least they've got a digital prototype.
2: Um, what the hell is a digital prototype? Does that mean they didn't actually build it?
1: That's a good question.
2: They have a picture here, I, so maybe they did build it.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no. I you know I actually misread it. I was uh, scrolling too fast. It's a digits prototype. Uh, it's called digits. The concept. Okay. So it senses your finger and hand motions. So it's got a camera-based sensor a uh, IR laser line in it and uh it, it's pretty clunky looking it looks like it looks like maybe a prototype of a web shooter <laughs> that Spider-Man threw out discarded at some point but it's an interesting thought yeah. that there you know you could you could totally put this wristband on especially when they get it much smaller and more streamlined and depending on what you do with your hands your gestures it could sense it all i'm not sure though that you know that that's not something that Connect does already. With the new version, they're supposed to come out. You know, the kind of like fidelity of that thing is supposed to be pretty incredible. But I guess if you wanted to put your hand behind your back and do this, you could get away with it. Maybe
2: this is their um, their way of kind of uh, hedging their bets in case the, yeah. the new Kinect sensor really doesn't sense finger position really well. Which really, yeah. I mean, I'm dubious as to how well it's going to select how well it's going to sense finger finger position anyway. To yeah. really be able to tell if you're like pulling a virtual trigger or strumming virtual strings on a guitar. I, I, I'm going to be stunned if they can do that with the camera. But this looks like yeah. it could conceivably do it because it's right there by your fingers.
1: Yeah, it does look pretty intense. Um, so you can check that out on, on BBC's um, website. Pretty, pretty interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I, it just makes me wonder you know, if the future of gaming could just get... You know, so interesting, so very Hollow Deck like. You know, we've already got the motion sensing from the Kinect, which is totally stunning. I mean, when they first talked about that, I think everybody thought there was absolutely no way that's total vaporware. Yeah. And, you know, it's admittedly a lot of the games are flailing around, <laughs> except for like the dance, huh. dance central, and stuff like that.
1: But yeah, some of the workout games are
2: cool. Yeah, just cool. what it does do is really awesome. It's just you know, you you find out playing anything that. Lacking finger motion really does take a lot out of it. Um, right. But, you know, if, if they start, if they continue making all these enhancements like that, it's it's really interesting to think what could be around the corner.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I would love it if we had, you know, like gloves and, uh, and helmets and could really get yeah. our VR on. And I think they, the some, benefit to um, this
2: over a glove, I would think, is uh, that you don't, it doesn't have to be sized for different hands. And for games, right, like they talk right. about using it for a smartphone, which I'm thinking a glove might be just as good. But for games, you know, you don't want to pass around a sweaty, skanky glove.
1: <laughs> it's like,
2: uh. It's like <laughs> it, but yeah, I mean, just imagine somebody's been, like, you know, really doing some hardcore karate game or something, and they're all sweaty and stuff, and then they hand you the yeah. glove, and you're like, oh, you know oh, what? I'm going to skip gosh. my turn, all right? Yeah, Yeah,
1: you win. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you had an interesting article that it's actually the 27th anniversary of the launch of the original NES today.
2: It had some sort of, like, uh, horn blowing noise for this or something, but... Happy birthday, Nintendo (laughs) NES! (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, how how odd that Noah is absent. Perhaps all Nintendo worshippers are at some kind of secret meeting, even as we speak, where they are you know, donning black capes and, and doing some kind of forbidden ceremony while somebody plays a single note on, on a piano. That, I don't that
2: explains it. They're at a secret ceremony at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Ding. Ding. It's like, scripted by Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> no doubt. Um, And get this, Good Old Games is now supporting OSX. That is pretty cool. I love Good Old Games. I, I just love some of the stuff that, that they're Getting. I just recently splurged, I think I had mentioned it previously, but I bought like all the Ultimas, all the Wing Commanders, and now all the Might and Magic stuff. And, uh, and oh wow, look, Bob, Syndicate's oh, available.
2: Yeah. I might be tempted to get that. Uh,
1: I, we used to play that. I, I that love that game. I
2: was really excited when you told me that they were coming out with a, a new version of Syndicate, and then when I heard it was just a first-person oh, yeah. shooter, which, you know, I like first-person shooters, but... It's still not the same. I was I was yeah. really depressed because that that game was very unique. It was yeah, it was had the three quarter isometric view that like a you know a Diablo has, but a totally different gameplay and setting.
1: Yeah, just going through the like sweeping through blocks of a city, right? I mean, any it was uh,
2: not very many games then had a lot of destructible elements in the environment. I had you right, know, a few, not a huge amount, but you could blow up the civilian cars and some of the trees and you know a few elements of the buildings. Redoing that in a modern engine yeah. where you could really have unleash some destruction, and have a little more level of detail. Ah, oh, man, that would have been would be great.
1: Pretty awesome, yeah. Well, they've got so they've got a whole new. Um, catalog for OS X games. Good, uh, man. I remember when I had my
2: Mac, that was one of the things that was always such a drag about it, is that there was just about no games, and now with you know, Steam's been supporting it for a while. Now, good old games supporting it. Things are looking up for Mac users.
1: Yeah, really, they are. You don't just have to boot camp it right out of the box. Yeah, now
2: we can just get good old games Uh, to support Linux.
1: Yep, I know. You know, Valve's getting there, there. and... uh, yeah, it would really be cool if, the, if they did it in such a way as that the Linux games weren't just run through a glorified version of Wine. You know, if it was actual yeah. native, that would,
2: that would be, cool. be just It seems awesome. unlikely, but man, that would be great.
1: It does. It's just so hard to, to I, not. I might end up with a Linux
2: <laughs> machine that's not a VM at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. wouldn't that be weird? It'd be, it'd be like the old days.
2: Um,
1: so... Could you tell us about this um, story about Obsidian Entertainment? They set a new yeah, record. Yeah, so apparently huh? this
2: is a new record on uh, Kickstarter for PC game funding. I don't think it's their record overall for for funding of any sort of project, but you know, you guys have talked a, a few times, and I think a couple of times when I've been on too, about uh, you know all the different game projects that are going on with Kickstarter. And prior to this, um, Double Fine Adventure had kind of their their record for highest level of funding for a PC game project. But uh Obsidian, which, you know, has made a lot of really good classic games like the uh um the second installment of Knights of the Old Republic, um quite a few others which I'm now drawing a blank on. But <laughs> uh well, oh, um, yeah. Fallout New Vegas would be another good one. Actually, I think yeah. they're, they're known for being That's... like the follow-up sequel guys for for a lot of things. Yeah. But, But they
1: do it well. They're not, it's not like, it's kind of like how Raven used to be for, or Raven Software. Yeah, they do it well
2: on some. I always have a little bit of a a beef with Obsidian because of just how badly Knights of the Old Republic 2 fell apart at the end. But it started out just incredible. But anyway, these guys have raised four million dollars. Four million dollars, which is huge. Project project yeah their eternity, initial funding huh? goal was one point one million dollars, which they reached in twenty four hours or slightly over twenty four hours sorry, which is pretty amazing. a million dollars in just over a day Wow um, so this project eternity is supposed to be a new uh, a new environment, a new world that they're that they're creating, so a new IP um, but it's going to be a three quarter overhead game uh, looks really interesting actually. I don't know if you visited the the Kickstarter link for it at all.
1: Yeah, I was just I was well I was looking at the Ars Technica write-up on it and um 68,000 people contributed at least 20 to get a copy. And then what's interesting is that it will boast a Mac uh Windows and Linux support.
2: Yeah, and that apparently was one of the uh after they passed their million dollar goal, you know, blew past it in like a day. They started setting a, a series of stretch goals, which is a, um, a Kickstarter feature I actually wasn't familiar with. Uh, and that yeah, was one cool of the stretch though. goals: was okay, we're going if we raised this next level, we'll do an OS X version. And of course, they blew past that, and they said, okay, if we make this next version, we'll do a Linux version. And of course, they blew past that amount. And there was a couple other stretch goals in there too, and I can't remember what they were. I can't find them right now, but. Uh, But no, it looks, the little, the renderings they have look gorgeous. And of course, you know, these guys have done a lot of really good games, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, here's the list. Um, So, Fallout, Icewind Dale, Planescape Torment. I knew Planescape Torment was one of them. Knights of the Old Republic, Arcanum, and Temple of Elemental Evil. I own all of those. (laughs) You know. Icewind Dale is really fun. I, I think that's one of the most underrated dungeon crawlers of I never all time. That one,
2: but I do I I, see they did do Neverwinter oh, yeah. Nights 2, which was, of course, a good game. And this is yeah. supposed to be in that sort of vein, you know, the overhead dungeon crawler type game. Which is great to see that, sort of, is... uh, that type of game coming back, really.
1: Oh, yeah. Man, that's, that's some exciting stuff to think about. Between that and the Wasteland one that's going on. And then, of course,
2: I, I, I did. Roberts. Yeah, sorry, I, I, you, you oh, cut out ahead. there a little bit between this and what?
1: Oh, the Wasteland uh, oh, Kickstarter yeah, project exactly. to re- to make the Wasteland. Sequel. You know that's one of the. And then, of overhead, course, sorry. Oh no! Oh, I was going to say in Robert's Space Industries uh, Kickstarter that they have
2: going. Well, on they too. don't have a Kickstarter. They have their own. Well, uh,
1: their own their own effort, but now.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. the next item, is that they're talking about potentially going to Kickstarter. Um, they've got a poll up on their website, yeah, they, which hopefully all of the listeners will go out and weigh in on, right? But they want, yeah. to, uh, they want to know if people want them to move to Kickstarter or continue to do it uh, separately on their own. But they're concerned about the number of people who've registered versus the relatively small percentage of those people who've, uh, who've actually contributed so far.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I um, right now it's at forty-one percent say they've already pledged. Eighteen um, percent say they haven't but they plan to.
2: Twelve uh, percent say they want to pledge more. Or oh, you checking the results of the poll.
1: The results, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's a bunch of others, and some say at six percent at it is. I would prefer Kickstarter.
2: Wow, that's kind of surprising so, how little Kickstarter is going on that. I honestly think not a lot of on Kickstarter, though.
1: I do, too. I think they should just do it. They should do both. I mean, it's not mutually exclusive, really. It's
2: not. Do you know how much Um, they've raised so far?
1: Um, no. I know they have 20... They have 2,704 votes that say they've at least pledged 20 bucks, I think. Um... Which you could do the math, but I think they—I don't know—is do you know? Have you?
2: I have not looked. I have I'm not looked. I like, huh? was just wondering. She I knew you were says, a of Oh, n- yeah.
1: The goal is two million, and they've raised one million fifty-one
2: thousand dollars. I think so the numbers far. speak for themselves that these guys would almost certainly do better on Kickstarter because uh, Chris Roberts. Yeah. I think mean, look at the the previous news item, right? Obsidian blew past a million bucks in a day, and. They've yeah. got a little bit and more recent games, but Chris Roberts is a freaking legend.
1: He is a legend. He's even he's even referred to by Richard Garriott yeah. as a genius. So <laughs> I mean, he's uh and, you know, Wing Commander, Privateer, the guy is just brilliant at, at doing and what, what he
2: favor does that he's got for and it he, is just stunning.
1: Oh yeah, it starts out kind of slow. I thought like you're like, well, this is nothing new. And then once you start to see everything happening, it's like, oh wow, that's yeah. gonna be a blast. So uh, yeah, pretty cool. I think they really should. I think they should do the Kickstarter thing as well. I'd love to see well. them do it. And I really
2: see them raise six or seven million dollars and just really, really yeah. do that game right.
1: Did you um? Did you contribute not anything yet that or? I yeah, I I went and did the like minimum one to get the alpha and beta oh, that's cool. access, which was like twenty dollars or thirty dollars. Yeah, i you know I'm I'm I don't think it was money wasted. I really can't wait to uh, get into the alpha and just see what it's like. Yeah,
2: that does know. look exciting. So the, the the trailer exciting. looks like I said it starts out slow, but it's got such a great musical score. You kind of keep with it, and
1: the music rocked. It was kind of it, it kind of reminded me of um the uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, yeah. the
2: remake A lot of it music reminds me real of Battlestar professors. Galactica, but a lot of it also reminds me of, you know, reminds me of Wing Commander, but Wing Commander as you kind of uh, would remember it with rose-tinted glasses rather than the pixelated primitive thing right. that it really was. Yes. The Wing Commander of your mind. That's right? the
1: funny part, right? Right, right. Yeah. I always talk about how I remember the, I think it was called 1981 or 1984, and it was like a, little spaceship you could move around uh, in 2D. It was an arcade game. And I always remember it as being so much better than it is, and whenever I fire it up on MAME, I'm like, really? It looks like this, and I loved it? I, I just don't know. Oh, no, Time Pilot, okay. I think, is what I'm thinking of. It's, it's it's like, oh, that's not at all what I thought it yeah, was.
2: It's weird how uh, different yeah. the games were back then. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I remember um, Wolfenstein 3D as much... <laughs> More graphically elaborate than yeah. it is. <laughs> it's like I see it now, and I'm like, "Wow!" And I thought this was not groundbreaking. Only was it
2: groundbreaking, <laughs> groundbreaking, but it was a blast. <laughs> and now you look at it, and you're like, "This is kind of dull."
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really not bored not already. Like
2: it was back then. Um, we've gotten so jaded.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting stuff going on with the Kickstarter and crowdsourcing, you know, crowdfunding, whatever. It's. Uh, I really I really think it's a cool way to go. If you have a rep- reputation and, uh, you know, a tra- track record, I think you can get away with it. We should see mm-hmm. where
2: it goes, you know, in the future. If it continues to be a lot of these kind of smaller... I mean, Sidion's pretty big, but they're trying to, I guess, move away from the publisher model. They explain it all in their video that they're trying to move away from the publisher model and, you know, deal just directly with fans and fan expectations and stuff like that, you know, just just build it for the fans. right? It'll be interesting to see if all this gets kind of co-opted by some of the big publishers in some way. I hope because right now it, it sounds right. just really awesome.
1: <laughs> EA starts to kickstart like uh, NBA yeah, 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 I mean you
2: joke, but I, I could see that happening and then floods of idiots who've never heard of Kickstarter are like, oh yeah, flood in there. I, just, I hope not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll only do oh, it if God. you put Larry Bird in. <laughs> um, well so so tell so I guess there's an interesting story about how Riot put together a custom client for their recent um, world tournament yeah. um, for and the that's season two finals. apparently
2: that spawned uh, we you know you guys were kind of talking last time about uh, in the last podcast I think it was or the one before um, about how they talked about that they were moving it to a more secure location that sort of thing and so apparently this kind of tied yeah. into that, that they had a, a local land-based client that they used for, for this, for the grand finale. And that of course spawned a, you know, a ton of rumors that now that they had a land-based client, that they were going to be releasing some sort of client for offline play at home or in, uh, um, you know, gaming centers and stuff like that. And, and uh, right. according to a story from GameSpot, at least, uh, um, let's see. I can't remember who it said. Uh, Right VP of eSports Dustin Beck took to Twitter today to spell the rumors. said, we built an offline solution for the finals for the pros to be protected from Internet connectivity issues. There are no plans to develop a LAN mode for offline play at home and LAN centers. Just wanted to clarify for everyone.
1: That makes really a lot of sense based on their model. The fact that if you had a LAN client, then you could easily, you know, hack it. So you could unlock all the champions, which you kind mm-hmm. of earn by playing. You could um, unlock all the skins. You could you, you could screw around with it quite yeah. a bit, you know. You would need like a punk buster equivalent you know, for as,
2: it. No, as, as somebody um, who's just trying to get into it, that it, game, I would love to have an offline client where I could actually practice and everything. But, yeah, but it, it. <laughs> it is hard to imagine how they could make that work, yeah. really. Unless... Limited training yeah, mode client, I, and at that point, it's not a whole lot different than what they have with bots. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, I can't see it working out very well. But um, it's cool that that's the way they did it to kind of make it really fair for everyone. That, that is
2: cool, and that, it's um, cool that they're thinking, you know, outside the box like that for how they're going to handle these, you know, very high, high stakes championships. Because what, what was it a million dollars that the the winning yeah. team got?
1: A million dollars that um that the the yeah, Assassins I, I, there was, won. was yeah. some
2: prize money for some of the uh the other, you know, second, third level teams, I think it was.
1: Yeah, I don't I didn't ever really know what that was, to be honest with you, but I'm sure there was I'm sure yeah. there was some something in addition to just being, you know, able to be seen in right. that huge and auditorium. I, I read
2: something about the combined um prize money being like $4 million or $5 million or something. So, so they oh, the had sense. to be some money for, for some yeah. of the other teams for that to have worked out. Um,
1: yeah. It was really it was really a blast to watch it. Um, I, I I can't wait for it. I still next, haven't
2: got a chance to watch actually, it, but it does, uh, uh, I, I am really looking forward to watching it because I've watched some live games playing. And it's, yeah. it's a very watchable game.
1: It is, especially the commentators were really, they knew their stuff. They were good. They weren't annoying, um, you know, as oh, yeah. they could easily have been. And and I would say for you, you know, get through a couple of custom matches where you just are playing against bots and then watch it to really see the skill, uh, what they can pull off. It's just amazing, the coordination. Like when the Taipei Assassins were launching simultaneous attacks <laughs> on two different sides of the map... And pulling them off so well, it was just—it was, you know, that level of strategy that no team I've ever been on's ever had, even anywhere close to it. And just knowing what they were doing with their um, chosen champions, you know, just not screwing up—it was, it was skill shots. Cool. Just really impressive to watch. And it's just cool to see that esports has, you know,
2: it is really come this cool. I, far. I hope they can do more and, stuff too. Uh, like I said, as somebody trying to get into it cold, I hope they can do more stuff to make it accessible yeah. to new players, so that they can continue to grow this to a larger demographic.
1: Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really cool if they if there was some way to, uh, you know, have a console version or something. I, I can't fathom how well yeah, how hard that would, hard have that to would be, be a to pull completely off. Completely
2: but... different control flow and very different game. But man, that that yeah. could be really cool. If it'd have to be a very different game, but just all the bar- all the number of people who have consoles yeah. that could that could be huge,
1: right? Because yeah, um, because with the mouse, you know, you click where you want to go, um, or you can hold the mouse down and go that way. But there really are a finite number of buttons that you you use for the game. There's really four mm-hmm. or five, six, something like that. You know, four for abilities, and then various other things like beacons and stuff. Things that could be mapped to a controller pretty well, and then you just have the controller control the direction you're moving as opposed yep. to clicking where you want to be. Um, it seems yeah, pretty doable it a to separate me, really.
2: League, a separate, um, uh, you know, if you weren't able to play to the computer, which is, yeah, know, most multiplayer games don't let you play across from console to computer. but Right. Um, so something like that. I mean, right. there are a couple if, good strategy overhead games like that. Like, I don't know if you've ever played Halo Wars on the console. But that that plays no, very uh, similar it's the same click on the map and deploy your units here and deploy different types of units there
1: right so it's possible it'd be pretty interesting to see them expand the clients you know they had a mac client that they just just finally utterly killed for a long but that worked for a long it worked for years so um but it'd be really interesting to see them take it to a console without a without a mouse <laughs> Which just controllers. Yeah, I don't think it'd, it'd be well as competitive as on
2: the PC, no. but it would be a great way to get people into it. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Great gateway, gateway
1: drug. drug. <laughs> um, Halo Four has been leaked yeah, to the torrents before already. It's to be
2: released. What's funny about this is, you know, uh, everybody's always saying that that's this is why PC gaming is doomed is because you know there's so much piracy on the PC and consoles are. Invulnerable to piracy? Well, maybe not. Yeah, they not so they much. might have an edge in in anti piracy measures, but clearly it's still possible, and there's still a uh, there's still a demographic a market looking for those pirated games.
1: That is just really a bummer. I'm sure for is it still Bungie that makes somebody it, or else, did somebody else take it
2: over? Studios or something. Um, Oh, okay. So apparently yeah. they have some people on the the staff, from what I understand. I'm not really clear on that. It's always been kind of... I haven't seen anything that's real clear on that. But, but yeah, it's a new studio. Bungie has apparently gone off and is going to try and develop some new IP of their own. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's cool. I always like what Bungie does. They, they
2: do have, have some really interesting, interesting ideas. ideas. I just really hope that... Uh, I actually I got to look that up if it's 434 but I think it's 434 Studios. Um but I am really hoping that they can keep up kind of the quality level because it, it is really a good game.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I would I would I hope well it is funny that the utterly the the whole um PC is the only place where stuff gets uh pirated was just totally discredited by this you take a high profile title and all of a sudden yeah
2: and i mean a lot of us so much. you know <laughs> who who are into gaming and who kind of know what's going on knew that was bullshit anyway you know that it, it's certainly not impossible to to pirate a steam game or something like that but it's it's difficult enough that you know not that many people who are really actually would likely buy the game in the first place especially cuz you know steam are good old games yeah. and it's so damn easy just to buy it so yeah, a lot of the people who are torrenting it oh, totally. yeah. wouldn't have bought anyway. They're just those rabid collector types. So, but it, yeah, it's it's interesting yeah. to see it kind yeah. of you know exploded out in everybody's face with this, like I said, high profile t- file title.
1: I yeah, have to admit, if crazy. if I had an ex-
2: hacked Xbox 360, which I don't, I would be highly tempted to download it just to get a glimpse of what it looks like before it comes out. Yeah. So yeah. Sneak I, I, peek. I
1: w- yeah. And with torrents, it would it's be quite, quite easy, easy. But
2: I, I don't have Act 360. I definitely wouldn't. I would try and restrain myself. I think anyway. But uh, I am definitely really yeah. curious to see what Halo Four is going to look like because it's it's a big transition yeah. in the storyline. New studio. It could really end up sucking, or you know, could be good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when it legitimately yeah, if it, comes if it out. It
2: actually ends up sucking. My my son Ben is gonna be crushed.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that would not be good. You no. don't want to crush the children. All their hopes and dreams totally destroyed. Well so you know that I think includes our intro and um all the all the news stories you could ever want and more in this week's uh podcast. But we have a bunch left, including the always interesting. What the heck have you been playing? Segment involved with the playing? heck have been playing? So you, you mentioned
2: uh, Black Mesa Source earlier, which I've been playing because yep. anybody who knows me uh, knows I'm a I'm a huge Valve core. Uh, I, I love just about everything they've put out. Half Life was always one of my very favorite games, and then of course you know Half Life Two came out, and I, I've been dying that there hasn't been anything new. So this is kind of a substitute for anything new, is right? Go back to the very very old game. And, yeah. and revisit it on a on a, right. on a new uh a new engine. And it's surprising how well the storyline and the puzzles and everything hold up with just new graphics. It it works great. It's not like yeah. it feels awkward in this new engine or anything like that. Yeah, I
1: I've enjoyed I haven't played it as much as you, but I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. It's just awesome. It'll be Really cool when they get the whole thing finished, though. Like with the uh, really alien levels
2: really cool and everything. And, you know, now that they've got, uh, now that they've got a lot more people playing it, and it's supposed to be coming out on Steam soon, uh, I'll be surprised if they're not able to finish yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, because many people thought it was going to be like vaporware, or Duke Nukem Forever, um, because it's been in the works for so long, but. Now that we're actually able to see the quality of what they put together, it's, it's
2: it is. well and, you worth know, the I think, wait, I think. I, I would love to go back and try and hear what some of the internal politics are that happened during that whole eight years. But yeah, I was one of those people who was oh, yeah. never going to be released. I was like, this is such a ridiculous pipe dream. A, they'll never finish it. B, if they do, Valve will sue their pants off and it'll be off the, the face of the internet in five minutes. But uh, totally wrong. Yeah, they actually not only finished absolutely. it, but Valve w- proved once again that they're the good guys of the gaming industry by not only not suing their pants off, but actually taking them and going, hey, you guys want to put this on Steam? This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. So that, uh,
1: that's that's really cool. uh,
2: that been one. And then what I've actually been playing even more of than that is Torchlight and Torchlight 2. Uh, I started playing Torchlight two, and oh, then yeah. Dan, Those are great. Uh, who's been on the show before, uh, gave me a, a gifted copy of the original Torchlight. So I, initially, I was kind of like, "Oh, why would I play the sec the first one when I'm already playing the second one and I know it's much better?" But I went, I felt obligated since he'd given right. it to me. So I, I fired it up, and started playing <laughs> it, cool. and it's still it's just as damn much fun. You, the interface is, you know, definitely much more primitive. It's all dungeon levels, no outside levels, but it's still a freaking blast and so i've been I've been clocking quite a few hours in that uh, i've got uh oh, that's what cool. they? i I keep getting the classes confused between the two games but uh, uh um the the magic user class in that it's an ember mage in uh torchlight two and I keep wanting to call the one in torchlight one but he's oh, a, yeah. uh, he's not an ember mage he's a
1: I don't Alchemist, remember what that Alchemist. one's called. I know what you yeah, mean, though. So that's yeah. the main
2: character I've been playing, and then I yeah. fired up a uh, destroyer. Also, I haven't yet played the uh, Vanquisher. I think she's called. I haven't tried her character oh, yet. Okay, yeah. The main one I've been playing is the, uh, um, you know the 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 mage class character, and I've uh, been leveling him up, and I've taught my dog a few spells. Which I can't believe how long I played that game before realizing you could teach your dog spells.
1: It's that is so cool though. Just pets are what make that game. Yeah, it's or one awesome of the things that make it really my,
2: cool. My character comes in, he summons up a couple imps. Then his pet runs in. The pet runs in. He summons some skeletal archers. Also, uh, throws out these <laughs> ice. He's like ice freeze ball ray things. And yeah, between them, the, the two so of us funny. we just demolish the dungeon. Yeah.
1: Well, I'd imagine, yeah. Yeah, totally. One of the great
2: things about the game is how differently the different character classes play. Because with that character class, I kind of walk into the room, you know, maybe throw a couple spells off in one corner or the other, but mostly I go around and pick up loot and rely on my minions and my pet to take (laughs) the monsters. Right. Right, and with the destroyer, it's totally different. It's every single monster in the maze you're clicking on individually and pounding them down, you know. It's a much more one-on-one experience.
1: Right, there. right. That's cool, though. I think it's cool the way they've found a balance with that, and it seems like they've managed to find what what was what it was that made Diablo two so fun, and they've grabbed that and they've got it in their games. And uh, Diablo no, three doesn't really have doesn't. so I much of I really wanted it, so, uh, to
2: like Diablo three a lot, and especially because the voice acting was great. Yeah, some of the visuals were beautiful. Um you know and the voice actress who does the uh the female version of the uh again the spellcaster cl- caster class in Diablo 3 whose name i can't think of on that one either um she's a fairly famous voice actress she did some uh voices in um, avatar the last airbender she was princess azula if you've ever watched that
1: oh and okay. she sounds
2: exactly like that in game mm-hmm. so, and that was the character i was playing and you know so i just wanted oh, to cool. keep playing that game and wanted to like it but it, it was one of those things where you just go, well, sh- I should play that. Nah, I'm going to do something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. I haven't cleaned my
2: work area yeah, lately. Whereas, go, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do that. Hmm. the opposite. It's like, you know what What I should do is I should do this work I have to do, right. but I'm going to play it just 20-30 minutes. Right. Just go through <laughs> a little bit of this dungeon first. Yeah.
1: Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's a really accessible game. Oh, well, that's cool. That's Anything much else? Been is I to pull been myself
2: in. away from from Torchlight.
1: That's great, though. Um, what have I been playing? Let's see. Mostly just um, League of Legends, I think. And uh, gosh, yeah, and League of were, Legends. That's all I played this completely week.
2: Completely back in the grips of League of Legend mania, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's got me. I uh, I've been playing a bunch of champions I haven't never played before, and so that's been interesting. I um, I played recently and uh, had two trolls on the team, and I'm pretty sure they were buddies. Um, and it was really funny because what you know when you play a Dominion map, you um, usually have um, you divide your team up, and one person goes to the bottom, and uh, all four go up to the top and grab. That turret up there and then somebody comes back and gets the middle one usually and so um, that's kind of how it was going so we took off and I was I was actually the last one in place because I wanted to check one more item I hadn't played this champion before so I was just slightly behind everybody but I was right behind the pack and this guy starts trolling me saying that I've lost the game because I didn't grab the middle one I'm like, oh, is that something that you assigned me to do that I didn't know about? Oh, no, you just, it's common sense. Everybody knows that the last person gets the middle turret. And I'm like, so you're saying we've lost the game already just because of the single, yes. And uh, then the other friend starts chiming in. And then they start telling the other team to report me because I'm uh, intentionally losing, right? And so so it was funny, too, because everybody on my team is like, you guys are, You know, well, they used some profanity, but they were like, "You guys are really, you know, trolling right now," and it just it continued to go that way. But the funniest part was, at no point in that game was I not the number one player. Oh man, they're saying that you're losing
2: the game for them. Um,
1: So, right, and we were winning. We actually started to win the game um, for quite a while, and I was the number one. I was always the number one player on my team, but for a while, I was the number one player in the whole game. I'm like, so I'm losing the game, and I'm unskilled, and I'm deliberately throwing the game, and yet when we look at the score, um you two are um well they were like second to last and um third to last, that would have been I guess even on our team
2: if you said that they were last you know you guys
1: are in the p- yeah, I mean it was it was close they were they were not the best at all, and as it went on they didn't did end up being the last period, the last two in the game score wise which you know i guess you you could you could technically contribute a lot and not have a high score but um it really does show that you didn't capture anything and you weren't getting any kills and so it was just pretty silly but um by the end of it i was like i reported them and and and, and um ranked every single person opponent and on my team besides <laughs> them as an honored player so i gave everybody honor and then reported both of those and then i think great. some people on my That's team great. also reported them so it was, well, it was a really negative experience. It was just really funny to watch somebody being a troll get totally flamed for it. And then at, the other team was even like, you guys should just shut up and start actually playing, you know, instead of just flaming this poor guy, who by the way is kicking our ass whenever we run into him. And, I'm, and it was just funny. It was mostly just, I was, it was coincidence. I wasn't, I don't know what it was. it was. The I was playing Yi, who I never play. He's a little bit overpowered in some ways, I think, and I had a pretty good build for him, Um, and so I was just, you know, natively kind of doing an okay job with them. If it had been really, if we'd been up against a really good team, I would have been owned. But I did okay with them. But uh, yeah, that was a really funny experience with League of Legends. Um, But yeah, I've been playing all these characters or champions I don't normally play, and that's been kind of fun, um, just to just to you know not be worried about you know, totally dominating or winning or even just hanging in there, but just going with some champions I don't know and experiencing them and seeing what their abilities are. And it always gives you a better... No matter what your normal champion that you play is, playing the other ones gives you really good insight as to what right, you're up against when you run into that champion. So it Damn, it, it pays to do it once in a while. Um, yeah, so I've, I've been really enjoying stress, it. I, I think it says um, a
2: lot about the, how that ranking... that uh, yeah. reporting system is working that that's actually oh, uh, a newsworthy yeah. event as as opposed to, like, if you play almost anything on yes. a console. And that's the norm. Yeah, that's the absolute norm is yeah you fad, you're a cheater, you suck. And...
1: Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. They resort to, like, you know, middle school uh, kind of vocabulary and insults and stuff, it's,
2: uh, which discredits it, it does, some middle yeah. schoolers, actually. But, but, it, but uh, it does kind yeah, of suck because cool. it, it really turns a lot of people off
1: I mean, it re- it really so that, does. That'd be a yeah. great thing it's for real people bummer. to write
2: in about for for you guys for next week is if you've got interesting yeah. stories about uh, any sort of trolls you've run into on multiplayer gaming or uh, interesting stories about uh, interactions with either really great players or really horrible trolls. We would love to positive hear about positive negative experiences, amazing.
1: but nothing. Yeah,
2: um, <laughs> nothing, but in, nothing the middle, in the middle. <laughs> Hey, if there's something <laughs> in the middle units <laughs> they're using as hard as that is to believe.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: M A I L and you
1: can write into mail at massive dot com. Yeah, it's fun to do that, yeah. We had to do that because for a while Jim had the uh email <laughs> alias of mail M A L E at channelmassive.com. So we have to specify That's, it so it doesn't just, actually go there. It
2: is um, just because of the it was just for humor value that somebody would make a mistake.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he actually really wanted that alias. So, um, in general, geekery. What what geeky ho- hobbies have you so, been pursuing? So, uh, I've this been
2: week trying of? to learn a little bit of Blender, that which you know, for those who don't know, is the very popular open source 3D modeling program. Um, and actually, just before we got on this uh, this. Call because we're, we're live via Skype. I just managed to find to export a model from Source into Blender, so I've been trying to do that in order to try and um, build a 3D model for my costume for next year's Dragon Con. Yeah, so I'm trying to learn some 3D oh, modeling, cool. try and model it in 3D. I don't know if this is going to be a good idea or if I should just actually do some two dimensional drawing, which I'm also not terribly good at, but I'm going to try and do a 3D model, build out, you know, my idea of the costume and then start on, you know, maybe exporting it to like a Pepakura model or something like that, which uh, again, for those who aren't familiar with it, Pepakura is a program out there that'll take 3D models and with a little bit of ex, uh, extra work, it'll export them to these printouts that then, it's like a poor man's 3D printer, prints it out on paper, you cut and fold and tape together the paper and create a 3D model out of, uh, in real life, out of
1: it can be incredibly detailed and lead to like, full-on oh, yeah, fiberglass there's fiber some great YouTube videos models. out there. This
2: guy does a series of videos called like, The Hero Files, I think. There's a great set of videos on building like a war machine in Iron Man armor uh, out of foam with Pepakura. or A lot of guys do it where they take the, the no, paper, they cool. use cardstock, and they cover it with um, either Bondo or there's a fiberglass resin that's sold alongside Bondo in, in auto stores. They put, like, a light watered-down coating of that on and a couple coats until it becomes, like, a hard shell. You have to start with a real light watered-down coating, obviously, since it's just cardstock that you're covering. They build this up until they have this, you know, hard metallic-like armor. Uh, You know, because Bondo, you know, obviously is used for repairing holes in cars. So once it's painted, it looks like it's metal underneath, so... Really interesting stuff they do, that's so I, I've been cool. trying to learn more yeah. about that sort of stuff, trying to learn how to build costumes for next year's DragonCon, and then doing a little bit of Android programming. Still. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's cool. Um, mine has been mostly limited to trying to um, cut down my uh, monthly Comcast
2: Yes, um, you've been going Comcast on this build. massive uh, exploration but, into the different DVR software and everything, right?
1: Yeah, I've been yeah, I'd be rethinking love to, my to life, basically. Here's some recaps um, on that,
2: because what little I've heard, you know, as it's been going on, sounds fascinating. Yeah. You, know you started with MythTV, right?
1: Yeah, I started with MythTV, and I did not like what I was getting with it. Um, I kind of liked the whole client-server model. Um, so... Th- that sounded pretty good. I, my plan was to put like a well my original plan was to go with an HDTV receiver and really cut the cord uh, as far as it goes. But then I found out through some forums that um, if you have if you use Comcast for um, in- internet access, then you will by default um, be offered a package of you know very limited um, cable channels that's actually cheaper to bundle those two than to just have the pure internet access. And it's like, well, all I wanted was, all I was expecting was the local stations anyway in HD. I could get that with this, you know, kind of, you know, entry-level kind of rate plan. So then I started looking for um, ways to cut back on my bill. Well, it turns out uh, I'm paying like $50 a month just for the rental of two HD DVRs and a um, digital receiver. And that... That's just on top of the internet bill and the basic cable cost, which I did have HBO. So I've been really trying to you know trim it down. So that would be fifty dollars if I could just replace you know the the DVRs with something else. And um, so I had started out with Myth T V and my plan was to get a get like a um, some kind of a capture device and like an IR blaster and just
2: and, keep and fifty dollars a month would probably tuner. take a while to and, pay for a PC, but you know, for anybody who knows you, who knows you probably got yeah. a shitload of uh PC parts floating around. So this was probably pretty much free, right?
1: do <laughs> Yeah. But so don't that try part this at wasn't home, Yeah, that was a given that I'd Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Or, <laughs> Unless you do, just have a lot of spare parts, but Yeah, tell us all about it. But um so yeah, I had a lot of spare parts. But then i as i started to look into all the different ways to capture the video um i came across this um uh digital or what is it called um it's called a hd home run device um which they have a bunch of different options for it but um are you know ways to get it one will be one is like a um it's, it's by a company called Silicon Dust, but one of the things they have is a way to do um, what I had originally intended to do was, you know, have an HDTV receiver, and this thing would just—it's um, like a instead of being a card that goes in your computer, it's a network appliance that you just plug into your your antenna. Well, they also have um, a um, QCam um, digital is, cable Q-cam? Uh, receiver that can ha- it can actually receive. That's like the way they encrypt the um or that's the way they encode the digital signal
2: for over the air.
1: Right, for cable. And so I thought well that's kind of what I wanted to do is just use the cable, but then I was concerned that I might have problems with Comcast um as far as getting getting them to allow me to use this device. So they had a, they have another variation called the HD Home Run Prime that actually you take your cable card which is like a you know just a, a standard is it, is it, um, it like a PC, oh, PCMC PCMCIA
2: things? card yeah. or is it more like a smart card?
1: It's a, it's like that. Okay. It's more like a PCMCIA card, I guess. Um, no, well maybe yeah. I guess it's that. So you take you take that out of your one of your receivers and you put it in this thing and suddenly um, it looks like it's your receiver and so. With this with the, the one I got, it receives um three it can record three different channels at the same time. It has a gigabit Ethernet connector. And so I, I got that and hooked it up and um, was immediately able to watch, you know, T V, you know, just on a PC and thought, well this will work Ethernet. really well. How much
2: bandwidth do you and, actually need behind the scenes on that? Could you run it over wireless or do you would you really are likely to need I, gigabit?
1: I I tried it on a laptop with wi- Wi-Fi <laughs> and it was really bad with any it was fine with SD, but in HD mode okay. it was uh it was skipping so I don't know what it would be like at 100 megabits wired but I have a really pretty good um Wi-Fi setup so you know it's it's like you know in and it's um you know it's not like I'm I'm running like um you know, like
2: so this isn't ten like a megabit Netflix. or this something like that. Some serious, serious quality video.
1: Yeah, it really is. And so, um, so then after I got all that going, I was you know trying to make it work with MythTV. I just didn't like the way MythTV's interface was working, nor did I really want my remote client to be Linux based because I wanted to be able to drop down to
2: um, yeah, and Netflix. The and, feel um, of a uh, Linux based to. is Netflix. That and the fact right. that the initial setup, particularly on mythology, yeah, is, wow, it is, it's really huge. It's Herculean. It really is. And, I, I mean, yeah. you and I have both been uh, Unix administrators for a long number of years before, you know, getting yeah. there now. But I can't even imagine for somebody who's kind of a Linux newbie coming in on that.
1: And that was my, my plan was to, I have a, a Windows file server, so my thought was I could, um, uh, if I could get a port of MythTV for Windows, I'd do that, and then for the um, laptop, um, I could do the, the Windows port as the client. But even the Windows port, um, the funniest thing was, the I was like, oh, crap, there's restrictions on what the server side of the Windows port for MythTV does. The only thing it worked with was the HD Homer Prime. <laughs> I was like, well, at least I have the one right receiver card that you could have for this or you know device but all that stuff did not work That's out nice. very well was not happy so then i tried um media portal i did not like that and then you in a side conversation yeah, min- mentioned windows media it, center but,
2: uh, still very cool
1: right and my my rather naive distrust of anything windows and with uh, windows and media combined made me avoid it, but I tried it out, it was super easy to set up, it was seamless, it's fast, the interface looks great, it's very refined, you know, by the time you get to the Windows 7 version, it is very refined, it works great, I've tested it out, I've recorded like three um, HD shows simultaneously with no problems, and um, so now all I have to do is, I did this all with just my gamer PC, so now I have to... You know, ported over to whatever is going to that. ultimately be him. my DVR. Um, but uh, it works great, and uh, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. And I also have um, found a couple of um, programs to, so I, I use that in the next BMC to stream already yeah. downloaded yeah. movies or TV yeah, shows. Yeah, because you,
2: you do kind of um, like I do, right? Where and a lot that works of your really well and stuff, you you rip them so that the kids don't wreck them, right? Yeah
1: right yeah and i and it's just just much more convenient to have a menu that they can absolutely pull up whatever they want to watch um or we can pull it up for them or whatever um and so and i hate to have dvds lying around and they just they seem to always get scratched up or they just don't understand. um, separated from their case yeah (laughs) you know get used as a coaster so digitizing those guys was like essential and uh So yeah, to get to my library, um, I use XBMC, and I've got it set up where there's it there's a this guy released a a few different little applications that all they do is switch back and forth between uh, Windows Media Center and XBMC seamlessly, and so I have that. I have one of those for Hulu Plus, and I'm pretty much ready to rock. And then if I if I want to do anything else with it, I can I can just have XBMC be the way to drop down. But the cool thing is, is um, when you go in and out of Windows Media Center, it's always able to re- record anything that's scheduled. Well, I, yeah, that's, that's like, like, like a, 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 process, a separate yeah. process. So it's really just the front end that gets dropped for XBMC. And I uh, even while recording my three HD shows at the same time was streaming a very nice video uh of uh an H D type video with XBMC what, at the was same an time adult HD utterly type seamless video? so
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: no it was not. It was uh it was like a really nice version of uh oh, okay. what was it Transformers One or something like that that I have. Um but um yeah anyway it was just it was really how, cool how, to how see how it all working as I'd Oh, it's pretty beefy Well, this about. is an i7, so I would like to be It's, it's way beefy oh, with like a RAID 0 box, hard drive setup. Yeah, um sure. Yeah, so it's it's funny because it it's like I'm used to these HD DVRs that can do like, mm-hmm. you know, 20 hours of recording unless you do it in HD, in which case it drops down to like you can
2: yeah, have 17 hours or right? 10 on how or much whatever. Hard drive space on the box.
1: Yeah, it is arbitrary, and it calculated it out with my, my um, you know, I think I have, so I have two uh, two Sweet. terabyte drives in a RAID 0, which is like four terabytes. So I calculated <laughs> oh all, like God. 480 hours worth of <laughs> HD or something. So I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do. And then I can just take all my cable equipment and dump it at Comcast it's and it's take 50 bucks it. off a month and uh you know the the device i bought will pay for itself in 5 months if if, if that's all i save but it'll be more than that really so nice. yeah it i'm sounds pretty like psyched. You're
2: taking a very methodical um, approach to this done a lot of research a lot of testing
1: i did but it was funny that your little comment hey have you looked at windows media center oh, really no, got me on the I'm right used track that so so thanks for netflix that,
2: streaming cause... and like you i had a plugin that would launch xbmc and, and the XBMC portion of it, yeah. you know, Windows Media Center and then launching XBMC worked great. But unfortunately, the box that I was using it on was just not quite beefy enough for HD Netflix streams. It would do SD streams just fine. And as more and more stuff started converging oh, to HD, yeah. that just didn't cut it. So I switched over to one of those, um, well, what is that little uh, little box you recommended?
1: Oh the little um WD um yeah. prime or uh, no, uh the TV uh, live thing called yeah yeah live plus yeah it's super just, like cheap. sub $100 it works great
2: for netflix um, um, um decent for browsing uh you know recorded media and stuff not 100% so i may just actually yeah. leverage some of the testing and stuff you've done and revisit my uh media center setup with some beefier hardware which you know i just I've been re- reluctant to buy anything just because you know having got burned with so many things before so
1: Yeah I found another plugin too and I can't remember the name of it but I have it on a list somewhere that um it's called it's something like life something or other and I think it it basically the name revolves around giving you your life back but you can set this thing up with a watchdog um that watches the the folder where you're dropping all of your um DVR recorded oh, movies okay. and it strips yeah. out the commercials
2: That would be interesting. I I so there's really some commercial nice stripping too. built into Myth TV that I used way back in the day when I had a Myth TV box on before the conversion to digital yeah. over the air broadcasting. And it, I had mixed results, but it'd right. be interesting to see what's going on now with that.
1: Yeah. Well, that was way more general geekery than I meant to go into, but it is kind of all it I've been sounds doing like you've been this week in my busy. spare time I when I wasn't I believe playing you got a, any
2: League of Legends just, in around that.
1: Yeah, not a lot. But well, and hopefully it was, somebody it listening will have actually a story. been on this video
2: <laughs> before, and if there's some future pitfalls ahead of you or some other software you should have considered, maybe they'll be kind enough to email in and uh, let yeah, us know Yeah, let that, us know. This is definitely. I mean, just listening to all the yeah. stuff you've been through. It's definitely one of those areas where, if you picked all the right components, everything's awesome. But you've, oh yeah, man, it, just, it can you just get be something painful. Wrong? Yeah,
1: I, I think you really could. I, I, I really am glad I found that um, silicon dust uh, HD home run thing. That thing seems to be. It seems like a really cool way to go. And
2: believe it or not, I don't, don't think they're actually being paid by Silicon Dust to. Say that? (laughs) No,
1: no, no. uh, uh, The other cool thing is it has um, iPhone, and um, uh, although I'm not sure how the streaming will be (laughs) based on what I saw, but it has like an iPhone, and and through through another uh, third-party app, you can stream it on an Android too. So you could actually watch TV on your on your. On your tablet or whatever, but I'm just not sure based on what I saw. What the
2: uh, now, based on what you saw, what I the performance the will be like and, you know, for that app that they weren't doing on the PC. You're screwed. Yeah, oh, man, like yeah. down converted yeah.
1: or something. So cool. Definitely. Well, right into mail. At, mail. Oh, sorry, mail. <laughs> Channelmaster.com. If you've done something similar or planning on it. Um, and our final segment is our round table where we are going to discuss the proposition that, well, does it seem like these sandbox games are the up and coming thing? We're seeing incredible success with Minecraft and all the variants and Terraria. And uh, I recently found a, a game that's been around for a while that's kind of net hack looking called Dwarf Fortress, but it has a, a huge component of it that's like where you have like this way to build out your fortress and. There's a new um, game coming out this month, I think, called A Game of Dwarves that looks like an updated graphical um, 3D version of Dwarf Fortress. Maybe that combined with Minecraft. So, yeah, we're just kind of, one Bob and I were talking about, we're just wondering if, our, is the sandbox thing something that is starting to really take off these days? Or does it? are there just a few exceptions and everybody really likes linear? One of the things that's gameplay. really broken, a
2: lot of this open, is that Minecraft seems to have made it acceptable. Can I, does Ter- do Terraria predate Minecraft or does it post date Minecraft in terms of when it actually came out? But I, Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't really came know. That's a after, question, I, mean, I, I think Minecraft really made it acceptable to have. Less than, less than perfect graphics, right? deliberately imperfect graphics, deliberately blocky right. graphics in order to facilitate this, uh, this um, sandbox kind of arena, right? Because there's no way you could build like you build in Minecraft if it yeah. actually had to be smooth, perfect 3D models.
1: Oh, yeah, it'd be yeah, like, the, yeah, you would be like... Right, the interface would the, look like Blender, well, like which, is you know, I'm sorry, it's a great um,
2: program, but fuck, is that kind of hard for, you know, somebody with no experience in that to learn? Uh, you know, I've I, I'm yeah. been working with computers my whole life, which is you know, a long time. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, back in me. my day, <laughs> yeah, we had Jeez, Crystal Radio. No, just
1: yeah, current diodes and so Terraria. To answer your question, came out in May 16th, 2011. Okay, that's what I thought. That so wasn't sure I know Minecraft.
2: it. I, I know it had kind of been around for a little while and is really kind of doing like a slow burn takeoff, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, it says it came out May 16th, 2011. Has sold about fifty thousand, or it sold about fifty thousand wow. copies during its first day of release with over 17,000 players at the same time during the day, first day's peak. Over the week, 200,000 copies of the game were sold, making it the top-selling game on Steam for the week and ahead of oh, The <laughs> Witcher 2 and Postal 2. It remained number one on Steam for the first six days of its release. Um, it was announced the game would come to PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade in 2013 with exclusive content. And It's like a side-scrolling version of Minecraft, but it gets crazy... As you get farther along, because you end up with like a, I don't know, it looks like a cross between Turrican and, I, I don't know, it, it, it's it's crazy how it looks later. You have rocket boots. I mean, you've
2: been playing it, right? Super
1: weapons. and I played it a little bit, um, enough to appreciate it, yeah. but not enough right. to be bit by it, so, so to speak. Um, it also got an 83 wow, really out of 100 good. Metascore and Metacritic.
2: Yeah, I haven't actually tried that one. It's so, on my uh, Steam wish list very because interesting. Dan's been ranting and raving about how we have to play it. Yeah. Yeah, but Our I
1: coworker d- Dan loves you that know, game. I'm
2: so wrapped up between uh, the two torchlights and uh, Black Mesa with the limited amount of game time I have, it's like no, must restrain self. Don't need to buy a game until I'm actually ready to potentially yeah, play bro. it.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty... Now, did you look into, uh, you know, Dwarf look into Fortress a Fortress at all?
2: Uh, yeah, I have not played it. Um, oh, is I, that right? I was reading oh. about it. Where, what the hell did I end up reading about that from? It was one of those, you know, you were looking for this, and you click on a link to that, and you end up... With it. But, oh, yeah. yeah. So I haven't actually Super tried it. I was kind of put off a little bit by the fact that it was a return back to the ASCII graphics. Which, you know... I I played plenty of those in yes. you know, state of the art. We, we were just talking about Muds and Mushes, right, earlier and uh I wasn't really that eager to return to that, but it seems sounds like there's a very devoted community around that game.
1: Oh, it's insane. Yeah, and um so what this game does is it's kind of like roguelike. It's got two parts to it. Kind mm-hmm. of a roguelike type interface if you ever played Rogue. Or NetHack, um, you know, like the uh, you're being attacked by embersands. <laughs> yeah, they were, Sands they were very and,
2: much and other in other sort of Diablo um, vein, but all with uh, ASCII characters, just the uh, the text, the characters you can see on the keyboard. As right. See, right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's not the most wonderful thing
2: to see. Of, uh, however I can't the gameplay. What the roguelike game it was, but there was one that was for a door on one of the BBSs in uh back in pueblo where where we grew up that and i can't remember what the name if which yeah. particular mud like game it was but i played hours and hours of that thing
1: and it was really fun because it lets your imagination go crazy right it was like um and this has that going for it it looks like mm-hmm. plus it's got the city building side to it so um you're able and it, this uh, this one came out in uh 2000 Six, so it's been around for a while. You know, available for Linux, Windows, Mac. Um, but they've recently come out with um, a bunch of new. Uh, they kind of reskinned the character, so it's more looks more like Ultima, old Ultimas now, yeah. than the pure ASCII roguelike look. So it's still, you know, they're still they're still you know tiling it with you know really basic tiles, but it looks better. Um and it's got this world generation thing going for it, a fortress mode. It's incredibly deep, and there's like a whole wiki for it um, and a huge community to, uh, to support That's
2: it. That's such an interesting game, too, because I'm reading the, but, uh, uh, the Wikipedia article on it, and the guy who, who wrote it is apparently programmed solely by Tarn Adams with input from his brother, Zach Adams. And Tarn Adams, it says, has declared it his life's work, expecting 20 years before it's complete. That's just the kind of thing wow. that, you know. You just don't <laughs> hear people making a lot these days. That this is my life's work, and I expect to spend the next twenty years on it. That's impressive.
1: Yeah. No, you don't. If nothing
2: that. else, that's very impressive dedication. It's it's great to hear this guy has some dedicated fans for something like that. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Oh yeah, that is pretty wild, and it it is apparently incredibly deep. You know, belied by the interface to it. Um, what's really interesting is there's a game uh, coming out really soon called uh, a Game of Dwarves, which is a bit of a uh, I don't know, kind of a, a joke yeah, I on the be uh, right. Game of Thrones name, I think. But it looks like it's a graphical version of it slash Minecraft kind of combination. Um, so uh, I mean it's just interesting that this kind of sandbox con- uh concept is just continuing to roll you know and there was all the all the variants that came out for Xbox and for the different platforms that were based you know solely on Minecraft which Minecraft itself is based on Infiniminer another older game so you know you just kind of wonder well what else is coming I mean it's uh it seems like we are kind of progressing in a in a direction that allows for, you know, real creativity and deep gameplay. Um I think it's an awesome thing. I I think everybody gets everybody loves some of the, the graphical um I don't know mm-hmm. wonders of uh, games that are on Rails, but that gets so tired. I mean, it doesn't take long to get really tired. And, you know, even linear linear storylines are cool. 'Cause they take you through an experience much like reading a book, but after a while you want some control. And then to have something like this where it's just kind of like an open world and you can do whatever you want and you know, I think it's it's a really it interesting, really interesting. And, you alternative know, think, to that.
2: It, to me it kind of seems like we're seeing you know, having having lived through a lot of older eras in gaming and stuff, there was a lot of diversity in different types of games where people were trying to figure out what was fun and what people would like. And then things kind of stagnated for a while, and it seemed like everything was a first-person shooter, or, you know, there, there, was, a, there was a lot of, you know, very similar yeah. game games. And now it seems like there's so many gamers now that things are starting to expand again, and people are starting to, you know, not only rediscover old types of games, you know, like Portlight and Diablo Three and stuff like that, but um, you know, expand into kind of new areas in gaming. You know, we've got the the casual mobile games, the Angry Birds of the world, and then you know now we've got these uh, sandbox games that people are expanding in all these different directions. And, yeah, you know, the sandbox games. You, it's like, is this going to be a flash in the pan? But then on the other hand, you look and a lot of people compare min- playing Minecraft to the experience of building with Legos. And that's Legos have got to be what one of yeah, the yeah. longest-running uh, game or toy products ever, right? And which, uh, perhaps yeah. not coincidentally, is also experiencing its own renaissance. Yeah. Although it's interesting to, to me yeah, that that's true. There's all these games like Minecraft that people are ex- saying feel like the experience of building with Legos. Lego's own games don't really involve a lot of building.
1: Yeah, there was even an MMO um, (laughs) based on Legos.
2: Oh, man, my son was really bummed about that because he signed up for it and then found out after he signed up that it was in its last month of operation. Yeah.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, that's just sad. And it's too bad it didn't work out, but it looks like there's hope in that somebody will perfect this. You know, Minecraft seems to scratch that itch for a lot of people um but to me you know there needs to be something besides just you know blocks to <laughs> to the game and i know there is i i know there's there are other things like i i saw a video today of a slime farm in minecraft
2: i would love to, know how to do that sure too how yeah to that's really that. interesting but yeah there is a lot more there's the creepers that, and all that sort of thing but
1: there. um yeah but um yeah it's 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 cool i i i just am curious to see you know we mm-hmm. talked about yes. like the mush concept, you know what if somebody could kind of take take come you know if you figured out a way to do it, and I'm not sure how maybe like a voxel kind of approach or something, but where you could have you could have text substances and textures and building materials that you know their atomic parts wouldn't have to be totally unique, but it's how you how you mm-hmm. shaped them that was what was unique. So that you know, one player could develop it, and then it could be an open world where other mm-hmm. players could see it, kind of like how a mush works. Like it seems like we're we're getting close to that kind of a technology where it would be, you know, feasible to to make something like that. A, just a world, and I and I, of course, am not I'm not pretending I don't know about Second no, Life second and stuff talked. like that. But let's face it, that Second Life did not. I mean, once you once <laughs> you get hit by a flying penis. That drops out of the sky. It just kind of ruins the whole allure and the and the hope yeah. you have that this might be the future, you know, well, place to conduct business thing, meetings. Right? Is that or you anything
2: get, on the internet? You have to you have to expect is going to devolve into penises somehow. If, if somebody doesn't filter it in some right. fashion, but then they also were trying to position it as this weird quasi business thing. Never made any sense to me. You know, right. Everybody needs a corporate president since it did line, not work. Why? Did did any yeah. of the players actually really want we, there to be like a, a sprint store in Second Life? did Error, or that there was a pizza oh god there? no
1: right? Or could you really see like and doing a professional conference right? Work you're trying in to have a virtual, a virtual meeting, space right there now in their
2: virtual business what? suits and everything like that, and then a winged penis comes flying by. Right, are you still there?
1: Oh yeah, okay, sorry, it I was—I so uh, muted myself I accidentally, inadvertently. No, no, you're you're fine. But can you, you know, w- when you think about like the uh, the world from Ready Player One of Oasis, and how you're know, like, yeah, that would be like Second Life on steroids. But you know, if if they could pull something like that off. That would be really cool i mean if if somebody could could come up with a, a world that was like that that actually had something worth worth oh well, right. something of value in it where <laughs> the experience you know kind of like if you could combine like the way YouTube works where it it started out with just an assortment of like lame videos and has now become like a way to really learn yes. about pretty much any topic you could want from and a variety of
2: sources a lot of shit games, um there skill levels piles of shit.
1: Yeah. There there are some wonderful videos on there, you know, I I'm always amazed how you're like, okay, how exactly do you do I don't know this procedure with your hot tub or whatever. And you go and there's a guy in like, you know, some other state or country yeah. who's like this is exactly how you do this and I'm just trying to raise awareness of my business. And you're like, yeah, oh, that answers exactly. all of my questions and more, you know. And it's done graphically, and it, you know, I don't have to like, you know, read through like a gazillion different posts or something yeah, on a forum exactly to find one. Right.
2: You know, that's been like an adjustment for me in a way because I've been so used to, if it's not something in text, it's probably going to be crap. And, and to kind of realize, no, I should click on yeah. the YouTube links because some of them are awesome. Like, you know, I was just talking about trying to export models out of Source. I could not get the Source SDK to recognize that I had the Half-Life 2 installed, so I couldn't load anything because the Source SDK had oh. wasn't finding anything. Then I, I Google for it and find, looking through all kinds of text-based links, nothing is really helping me. Find a YouTube video where he walks through that you, you know installing it. You've got to install your game. You've got to play your game. If it doesn't work, then you need here's how you you know uninstall the uh, Source SDK, reinstall it. And then it'll work. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna delete all these directories that he said to delete, and uh, reinstall the source SDK. Yeah, and everything's working. It, yeah,
1: it's amazing. Yeah, I. So if you could combine that kind of, you know, actual quality of <laughs> of uh, resources with people who are really interested in, you know kind of showing off what they can do and come up with, like, that mush concept and combine it all together. I think it it could be yeah, a I really, what they you mean, know, interesting place to, to be. I borrow some
2: ideas from uh, League of Legends around some sort of community, mo- you know, structured community moderation like that to try and say, look, this guy... They oh, yeah, that's the
1: thing. The self <laughs> You know? Yeah. The self-regulating community is, like, pure genius, and I can't believe... That they oh, yeah. came I mean, out with that so early on, has, really,
2: it's definitely, it's problems. I mean, you know, we all saw that in earlier um, communities like Slashdot and Dig and stuff. Although it's, you know, seems to have gotten better on Reddit, but still has yeah. some issues. But uh, yeah, but nothing else scales, right?
1: No, no, you just can't keep. That's what that's what Legal Riot guys said was, we are not a huge company, and and they weren't at the time, and we have had so much, we were dealing with so many complaints and all these other things, we, you know, they kind of stopped their roadmap, added in this feature, worked on it kind of in secret, and came up with the tribunal to self-regulate. And that's all based on negative stuff. And now they've added this, like, honor system, which is kind of like, you know, the the upside of karma on Slashdot or something where it's like, yeah, you, you actually, there will be some kind of rewards for not <laughs> being a douchebag all the time, you know. For being an inspiring leader, a team player, for being just friendly, um, you know, people can say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm gonna say this game. This guy was, you know, friendly, and it all it's all cumulative. It all adds up, and there's some kind of a reward for it. And I think that's really cool. I think it shouldn't just all be negative right. reinforcement or whatever, but to have the you know the positive yeah. side. and I the
2: think positive is, side, particularly great. in the legends, I could see how that would probably be pretty good. You know, the, the risk is always that it ends up like karma whoring on, you know, social media sites. But but in that case, I don't see totally, many yeah. options where somebody could kind of karma whore, right? You're either playing nicely or you're not. No,
1: you really can't.
2: There's no way to take yeah, credit for something. Yeah, exactly. Else's. <laughs> you know, good, good play.
1: It's funny, too, because as I think back, I've sometimes gotten like a reward for being friendly or... Being a good team player in a oh, game wow. where I didn't even say anything to anyone, I'm like, well, how was I friendly? Was were just my actions of supporting them when they were being yeah, attacked? And I guess that's what, what it was. Off,
2: was you know, their, their characters. You know, maybe that is it.
1: Yeah, healed them when they were running for their lives, or intervened, or something. You know, and it, and it's kind of cool. You don't have to be chatty in in that one, but yeah, I mean, a lot of topics we're talking about in this round table, but I guess the 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 thing is, it's interesting to see how with, you know, our technology today and where we're at, seeing some of these sandbox games really shine. And we talked about all the crazy um, mods that they've come out with for Minecraft earlier with the, you know, all of all of, uh, of the, an entire <laughs> continent of WoW or redoing all the maps for Half-Life. It is, but it's really uh, amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I shudder because to see when, you, know, when you think will about it. If we
2: were next. talking about sandbox games, what? Just a couple of years ago, we would have been talking about like Grand Theft Auto. It's a sandbox because you can choose whether <sighs> yeah. you like, kill the whore or sleep with her. It's like you know that's
1: right. Yeah, it's, right. it's such a morbidly
2: lame uh, standard of openness and sandbox compared to something like these.
1: Much different from building a simulating yeah, exactly. a, a circuit or something in it. or you know all the other things they're doing so pretty cool stuff I'm yeah, glad we got to do here. our Did show it? tonight um oh yeah thanks Thanks for yeah, doing no it fun. on short notice much appreciated tune in next week um when we return with Noah's triumphant return from wherever the, the hell he went
2: Nintendo and uh hopefully we'll have thing.
1: oh yeah that's right yes the uh that's exactly right. Hopefully <laughs> he'll survive the ceremony. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we look forward to, um, you know, hearing from anyone who wants to write to us about their thoughts on any of these topics or a topic of their choosing. M-A-I-L. Write us at mail at com. Find us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter. Um, you know, leave us a a stunningly good review on iTunes. Whether you like us or not, just use five stars so we pay attention. That's how I always think of it. Um, and we will see you next week.
0: LOL, it's a game. That we all play Skype it up, it's getting rough Good game conceding Twenty men, what's that I hear? Oh my dear I think I see Austin getting ganked As an ice arrow floats on by Tony lets go of a built up side. And then again, we're all locked in, and it looks like this team has no tank. I've been waiting on a 20-minute queue, looking at a build that I'll never use. And if you want to play, you better bring your A game. We'll be the team you've been putting to shame. Kurt stabbing turrets, and aces, letting loose. Sean's last hit, and the tone is... Keep it up, boys. Three wins in a row. Maybe we can bring up our elbow. Underlever Poppy just needs to farm. An overpowered Zimix curtain clicks self harm as he matches his head on 25 keys. Tony to pops crows, storming nothing but breeze. I think we're getting better, but I just can't say. As Luke disconnects and Austin goes AFK.